Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me as always is the wonderful Karen Randazzo. I'm gonna need a new napkin. And the amazing Chris Randazzo. Julie wouldn't approve of you killing people. We here on this week's episode talk television. This week was Chris's choice. Um, actually, it was two weeks ago. It was your choice, and, and it you picked Daredevil, Season 3, Episode 13, A New Napkin. You darn tootin' I did. But before we get into that, here's your weekly reminder that you can get in touch with us at mailatgeekade.com. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. You know, just suggest some shows. We'll, we'll, we'll listen. We'll, we'll watch them. Cause no, we won't. He's lying to you. Lying. Don't listen to him. Flat out lying. So, okay. Now, when when you made this pick, Chris, you, you knew that I hadn't seen any of season three, mm-hmm. and yet you still picked the season finale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I successfully watched all 13 episodes in two sittings. Very, I'm not surprised. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> the All right, so we'll, we'll also talk about the, like, a little bit of the news once we're done talking about the episode, but this show was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, like fantastic. This was one of the best seasons of TV I think I've ever seen. Um, the the character development, the storyline, the multiple avenues of the storyline were fan- like, you know, usually like they'll have you know many threads. And, you know, some of them sort of trail away. But throughout this whole season, they kept them all going and they wrapped every one of them up at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them. I, and, of course, it's season finale, so they they, they, <laughs> they leave a little bit like, ooh, this could happen next season, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, I'm, I'm I, like, this, Chris, why? Why this episode? Because I wanted to talk about the whole season. Okay, good. So, <laughs> no, I hadn't seen this episode yet when I picked it. I just wanted to talk about this whole season because it was incredible. And uh, I wanted to give myself, like, all right, now we have to finish watching this, like, right immediately. Not that we weren't going to anyway, but we worked a little harder to fit all the episodes in. And then we wound up taking an extra week off anyway. But <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. Sorry, peeps. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, it was really just, just came down to, really wanting to make sure I made it through this uh, as quick as possible and talk about this while it was still kind of uh, in the spotlight on in the world of the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, then it was immediately followed up by the incredibly shocking news that I guess not incredibly shocking news that we'll talk about later that the show has been canceled. Yeah. Um, as a series finale, it does kind of sort of work. It does. But it's if, really if you cut off the the after credits 
scene kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a, it's a series finale. More or less. Yeah. You I, could, mean, I I could definitely see that. Um, everybody shook hands, went on their peaceful ways, you know? Yeah. Avocados at law once again. Yes. It's neat to me. Uh, this was, this was really, 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 really neat to me. And, and what's also kind of the biggest bummer about this whole thing being canceled, uh, is that I feel like these Netflix shows, um, got a little wonky in their, uh, second seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, and then just really not, not all of them, their second seasons, but like this second wave, okay. uh, just kind of took a weird, di- uh, not a weird direction, but you know, they, yeah, daredevil season one, and then you had daredevil season two, which I loved, but was definitely not as Im- impactful and, and overall as good as season one, uh, defenders was a bit of a letdown, still solid, still good. Uh, iron fist season one is debatably awful and all de- de- <laughs> tolerable at best um but they turned they turned that around like so hard they turned uh, iron fist season two was so good and daredevil season three was another just incredible course correction and not that these shows need super course correction but like luke cage i really wanted to see where they were going with that one and where i'm really excited for jessica jones season three considering like all this how good these bunch of seasons have been. Now we still haven't seen Punisher, but you know, the next Punisher season is airing. The next Jessica Jones is airing and it's pretty much a solid guarantee that those shows are toast just as soon as those shows air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's, that's the feeling I'm getting as well. (coughs) And it's also, um, all but a certainty that these, none of these shows or characters were actor. Well, not characters, but none of these shows or actors, this particular iteration of this universe is not going to be on the disney network it's just not in the cards which is Um, a shame because each one of these actors made their their respective roles their own like everybody did even like like iron fist come season two he made it his own and he did a a stand-up job daredevil I mean, like, uh, Charlie Cox, Charlie man, Co- even what foggy, one <laughs> heartbreaking. Of the, one of the best characters <laughs> on the Netflix shows was foggy. I, come on. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really, really bummed that we're not getting any more of this universe, um, past these, these next two shows, which I mean, really, they're not going to provide closure to anything that we want. You know, Punisher and Jessica Jones aren't going to provide any, any closure to where uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist left off. And that's that's the real problem, is that Luke Cage and Iron Fist, they did not leave off um, yeah, they, they were solidly. Not, they, they were, were finales in any They way, were shape or very form. open-ended, you know? I mean, if you want to leave Luke Cage where it was, then Luke Cage essentially became a villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, Iron Fist is just like giant question mark. So, uh, huge disappointment. But scratching all that stuff away just as a season of tv this was incredible i was so floored by this season it was so completely enthralling um by the time it got our our, it it got its hooks into us like we watched the first episode and then didn't get back to it for weeks and weeks and weeks um i remember watching the first episode and so okay so technically it took me three watching three sittings because i watched the first episode by itself to get my you know the gears are rolling it makes to see how i'm gonna and at the end of the episode i literally cursed at my television and went fuck you it is 11 30 at night (laughs) i can't start the next episode and i wanted to 
Yeah, we've been there a lot. And mm -hmm. each one of the, each character in this season was so thought out and and so developed. Like every even Karen's character, we got an extreme backstory and why she is what she is and where she is is where you know the reasons she is where she is. Um they in, in, introduced a number of new characters, like Daredevil's mom, Sister Maggie, you know Matt Matt's mom, uh, Bullseye, like his back. Like every character that showed up for just this was ten episodes, thirteen. Was it thirteen? Was it a full? Geez, it was a full thirteen. Yes, they they started filled that that full gap of character and then closed them off. So that everything was nicely, you know, tied together. And that doesn't happen. Ever. Usually there's someone out in way, way left field that, you know, what the hell's going on with this character? I, I don't even know why they were on this episode or this season. Everybody did. Like, every character was done so well. Especially, like, the titular character. Matt and, and Wilson. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. King, Kingpin Holy was just great. Shit. <laughs> He's awesome. The, the his his representation of Kingpin is comic books come to life because his character is over empowering, like like menacing, and he doesn't have to say anything. Like Vincent has has portrayed um, Kingpin the way the comics meant him to be portrayed. Mm -hmm. Giant intimidating a force to be reckoned with and he doesn't have to say anything i mean nothing against michael clark duncan but sorry dude like for all the flaws of that daredevil movie um michael clark duncan wasn't really one of them but he is completely outdone by vincent D'Onofrio. In, in comparison so. he was a cartoon yeah. character yeah and vincent was not like vincent took this comic book character seriously and it shows in every take and every every time he's on screen he he he's like a presence and, and like it's from the first season in which we saw him and we all everybody liked him like oh this is a great like took it up tenfold mm -hmm. and it wasn't just like the costume change cuz yeah of course now he's in the white cost or the you know the white suit which everybody knows yeah that if you're a comic book person that was for you didn't have to be in the white suit but they did it and they pulled it off at one point in time i went is he still wearing the same suit and then they opened up a closet and he had a bunch of them I'm like okay they answered that question i love and that it they, it okay. really set it up for the the last episode when he, he got all bloodied up in that beautiful white suit and i was like oh this is beautiful i love it i also love that they didn't forget about the whole his suits bulletproof thing mm -hmm. Like that was like they didn't even didn't even mention it. They didn't, you know, talk, you know, try to re-explain it or anything. They were just assumed that you had that knowledge of what he got all shot at and the bullets were ricocheting off of his coat. And mm -hmm. ah, gosh, dang it, this was good. Everything, every God that that I watched that whole second that that whole last episode again, the the new napkin one mm -hmm. while I was at work, and just the bit where Matt gets him like when he wins and he just just yelling at him. It's like so good. <laughs> Everything about that fight was so good. And can we talk about freaking Bullseye? Oh, yeah. oh boy. Watching 
just just watching his skill set in this very realistic grounded universe is was really really cool yeah yes it was i and and they didn't they didn't comic book it up like they it, it they didn't, didn't they look... made him an agent of chaos which i liked yes um I, they just they really really did that character justice because again you gotta you gotta you gotta kind of sort of compare this whole thing to um the 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 ben Affleck movie and uh colin farrell was uh it was really something he was he was a he was a Christmas ham in that movie. <laughs> nah. Um, but he had he had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was this was so such a, so much more of an interesting take on that character. He was, was a so much tortured more individual. Take. Yeah, like he was a sociopath, and oh my my goodness, like he was perfectly perfectly intimidating. Uh, just he was so much better than freaking Electra. <laughs> Oh, so... My toaster is better than Electra. <laughs> yeah. Again, nothing against the actress. She was fine. Just everything about that was really the main thing in this whole whole Netflix universe that I did not care for was Electra and the hand. I just don't think that particular aspect was handled super well, which is I think why season two of Daredevil is the weakest and Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But um, well, one of the reasons Iron Fist was not great, but. So co- Besides, you know, all the iron fist. <laughs> yeah, all that iron fisting. So I have a question. Did you guys have the same visceral reaction when Bullseye showed up at the party and his dead girlfriend was sitting in the passenger seat? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like, I went, oh, my God, he has broken. He's broken now. He is very, so, very broken. So so this is where we've we've gone. Okay. We are, we are off the deep end here. <laughs> I kind of thought that was great that they brought her back, though, you know, so to speak. Um, just because, like, you know, you see that scene on the security camera earlier in the season where the two guys, like, you know, knock her out and you don't even know what happens to her. But it doesn't matter because all that matters is that she disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, like, you completely forgot about her until, you know, six or eight episodes later. And it's like, oh, hey, remember her? She's dead in a freezer. Here we go. <laughs> She's a popsicle. Good luck. <laughs> And he just takes her, takes her with him. And, but, and that, like, why? I don't know why he held on to the body because that ended up being a real bad idea. He was talking to her and uh-huh. and and referencing her in, in like the third person, I guess. Like he kept referencing, "Oh, we aren't happy." Oh, you're crazy. You are a crazy person now. No, I'm sorry. His his portrayal of Bullseye was not. I I wish I could remember Bullseye from the comic books a little bit more, but it's not what I expected. Because yeah, it was, I, Bull, Bullseye is it was my Colin Farrell. Like that's the only reference I had was Colin Farrell. I mean, I don't have a ton of Bullseye experience in the comic books, but I don't. I always remember him as being far more overtly malicious, you mm-hmm. know, and um. Like, yeah, one of the things I'm bummed about is that we're never going to get to see that bullseye kill that Electra because yeah, that's something that happens. Uh, but yeah, he, every time I've seen him in the comic books, he's you know, he's maniacal. Um, and this guy was very reserved, which uh, I think is a cool take on the character just because, you know, with that level of precision and and everything they just made everything about him about precision like he needs precision in his life um even when he's unhinged mm-hmm. 
And I really liked that take on him. But yeah, any any comic book things that I've I, I remember seeing of him is just never really calm, well, <laughs> just very right. uh, maniacal. But also, a real quick uh, nod to the hat, the little baseball cap. And that, and was I was literally just about to bring that up because even the Easter egg of referencing that he is bullseye was so subtle that and it wasn't like out of whack like you know nine times out of ten when they do an easter egg for the comic fans it's something that doesn't belong Mm -hmm. and that just that little nod was perfectly done because it was it fueled his backstory and all it was was a baseball cap with a little with a bullseye on it was it like a branding or a tattoo or Whatever the, I the am hell, bullseye. Whatever the hell that was on his head. Yeah, that was very strange. Very strange. It was um, a strange choice for Colin Farrell. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I I actually had a physical, emotional reaction to seeing that the the the, the dude who made the suit died. Um, he was kind of special. Uh, he didn't die. He yeah. got. Carted off to jail, didn't he? Yeah. I thought he was in the fridge. Don't think so. I'm pretty sure he was. I, I it, it, there was the the two males, mm-hmm. and, and then the girl was on the other corner. Pretty sure he was one of them. Because mm. it wasn't it wasn't cops that broke in. It was the the bad guy cops. Okay. Okay, you say Did so. Did not pick up on that. Yeah, didn't. I can't didn't remember recognize his name him. right now because it's. So... I, and we know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. The. <laughs> the okay, so he is he his character in the comic books is Gladiator, mm-hmm. and and with the saw blades, he's just got saw, this complete ridiculous outfit with them in the show. <laughs> He did that the first time we met him too. He had the he was throwing saw blades around. I thought that was a really nice touch. See, that's just another nod. I appreciate that. Um, and and his outfit was like you know, he was wearing like yellow shirts and stuff. Like it was always kind well, of that was the logo on his sh- like the ca- like the character's costume was that weird squarey looking triangular thing, and exactly, that was the t shirt yeah. that he was wearing. And I was yeah. Like, when I showed it to to Andrew, I'm like, look, this is him. Just put tape those saws to his hands, and you got the comic book character. Karen Page's character development in this season alone makes up for the lack of character development in the first two seasons. Like, yeah, a little bit of a long time coming. Like, thanks for finally giving us that. It, and it wasn't like I can't I can't remember if we discussed. Pretty sure we did in one of the news stories. I didn't feel bad for her. Like I didn't. It was there was no pity party. Like shit, Mm-mm. it sucks that she's in this situation. But a lot of the shit that she's, you know, stuck with is because of her actions, and she's trying to make it right. Like mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Foggy, the situation that he was rolled up in with his family, like, like I, you know, he didn't do anything, but you know, he he is now protecting his family the best way that he can like this is all secondary and tertiary characters that are getting full-blown storylines yep and can we talk about the silver lining of the cancellation with foggy which is that 
he proposed to Marcy and she said no and now the show is over and so I don't have to live with the headcanon <laughs> that they are going to, you know, end up together. Yes. Not, you know, no offense to Marcy, she's fine, but I don't love her and I do love Foggy and she's not good enough for him, so. I, I agree with that. I can't remember her from season two. Was she a, a bitch in season two? Yeah, she's always been a bitch. She's also always not really been around that much. So, because okay. yeah, like she fine. was super bitchy and convincing Foggy that he was an idiot to be working where he was working in season one, and then he had a he had a positive effect on her kind of a situation. Right, and then this this season she you know she seemed truly concerned and like they it made sense that they were a couple like the way they were yeah you know interacting with each other. I just wanted to. To chime in real quick i i looked it up and uh in fact you are not the only one who thought that was poor melvin stuck in the uh the, the freezer it is not uh, it was one of kingpin's goons oh thank god <sighs> he looked just like melvin <laughs> melvin yes so you were not the only one who thought that <laughs> okay good i maybe next year we'll get a full season of melvin <laughs> yeah <laughs> Next season on Netflix, Gladiator. <laughs> Bad news is we're canceling all of our Marvel Mar- existing Marvel shows, but we are giving you a spinoff about Melvin. Uh, I they even gave him a little backstory because of the 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 woman he was involved with was his his, his parole, parole officer, officer. <laughs> and people take advantage of him because he's super sweet. Like, oh, Melvin, nice. All in all, I mean, I'm glad that it went, it, that if it had to go, that it went now, not a, another season where it could have possibly gone bad. They ended on a really, really high note. They did. I'm I, Knowing how much more story there is to tell is uh, obnoxious to me. Like, I really wish that this could have gone just one more round of seasons mm-hmm. uh, for everybody to tie up all things instead of like, cause we'll talk about this a little bit more in the story, but the, the story was like, even the Marvel execs had no idea this was coming. Like they were just there and then they got the word and like, sorry, you're, we're canceled. And they're like, well, we've storyboarded season four with some super cool stuff. I'm like, well, tough shit. We suck. Well, the, the, the Marvel people or the Netflix people. It came from Netflix. It was the Mar- from what I remember reading, it was the Mar- everybody. Everybody was completely surprised because this was a Netflix's decision. Yeah, but it. I feel that it's a Netflix decision because of monetary restrictions from Disney, because the show itself is stupid expensive to make, not including licensing, mm-hmm. and because it's 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 thematic. There there are costuming and you know environments and just shooting in New York. Um, the, 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 the ball started rolling when they were going in different directions, you know, thematically with Luke Cage, like they Mm -hmm. wanted it to be 13. They said, no, we're we're doing it in in 10. We can't like, we don't, we don't, can't afford it kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. that was fine. The 10 episodes was good. Especially for a show like that. Like, the first season of Luke Cage had three episodes. I'm like, ah, I didn't need these. It's like filler episodes. They, the first season should have been cut down. But knowing knowing that Disney has a full 
plan to do their own streaming service. Mm-hmm. It totally makes me believe that they're saying, no, this is the this is the licensing fee now. And just made it so that it's not fiscally responsible for Netflix to shell the money out. Well, I think it. I, I think it's entirely possible that it's uh, more along the lines of, well, Disney. They're they're going to be obviously they have to pay Disney for the rights to this, and they're paying Disney, who is launching a competing service. Mm-hmm. It's striking me very similar as what happened to the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon when um, you know. Uh, Disney bought Marvel and Sony didn't have the TV rights anymore. Sony just had the movie rights. And uh, they were like, well, you can't keep doing Spectacular Spider-Man because we're doing it now. Um, and this is like a, sim- a similar situation. They're like, well, you know, you have the right to keep doing these things, but you're going to be making us money, which we are going to be using to do this competing network. So, you know, you can keep paying us, but you're just going to be paying us to defeat you. So, I mean, it was all I, it was, at least for as far as I can tell, it was all Netflix's decision to be like, well, what sense does this make for us to pay for this property? Like, sure, it's doing us a world of good, but we've got other properties. We're not going to pay Disney a freaking dime to create this service and basically, you know, stab us in the back. Yeah, and and it's like the the other side of the coin. It's a of a, a, a financial decision because, yeah. like you said, they're they're paying to 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 beat themselves up. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's just, I mean, but you know, we know this, uh, coming from where we are, Mm -hmm. uh, just from, from what we're, from the perspective that we're looking at, but you know, from the perspective of the people who made these shows and we're making these shows are like, you have a very successful show on your hands. Uh, and as far as anyone has said, you know, this is just going to keep on going. And now, obviously, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist get canceled, but there was other reasons that could have been contributing to that. Daredevil, if there was ever going to be anything safe to go for one more season, especially coming off of the complete runaway success that was season three, you would think that if anything was going to continue for one more season, it would have been this. But that didn't happen. It just... And just keep in mind, out of nowhere, no warning, just and now you're canceled. Like they were having meetings, they were making the next season, like getting ready to get started on that. And then they were like, Surprise, surprise, Fuck rug you. pulled out from under you. We're not playing this game anymore. And it's a darn shame. It is. And it, it, tr- it truly is. But we are under the assumption that, and it's because of the, the, you know, the universe that we run in, that Daredevil did very, very well. We don't know that because Netflix does not release. Yeah, their they viewership. don't release into that info. Yeah, so I, who knows if they're still like <laughs> because they're not making money off of you know advertisers, they're making money off subscriptions. Who knows how many more subscriptions they're getting because of Daredevil? You know, like we have a couple of news stories that we're going to talk about that other properties that Netflix is planning on doing that have no ties to competing companies it just Mm -hmm. makes sense for them to throw their money at that stuff so yeah we'll see um i I don't think netflix is folding anytime soon (laughs) no no netflix isn't in danger and even with all the the disney stuff i don't think netflix is in danger but you know it it is what is in danger is getting good quality marvel stuff like we we will see yeah we will we will see. We will. And we'll talk a lot more about that in a few minutes. Yes, we will. So, Chris, thank you so much. Karen, you have anything else to add? 
I liked it. <laughs> it was good. Yes. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk some news. Stay tuned. Every month, Dave and Jengis bring you tabletop gaming goodness in podcast form. But what happens if Jengis is away? Dave does it solo, that's what. From Ultimate Masters to Magic the Gathering Holiday Gift Guide. The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravinica to the Dungeons & Dragons Holiday Gift Guide. From a review of We Didn't Play Test This At All to the Board Game Holiday Gift Guide. Dave monologues about everything you could want out of a December episode, including gift guides. Don't miss You Shall Not Pass Go, episode 34, The Monologue. There's a new episode of Mutant Musings this week, but when I went to write this commercial for tonight's recording, the episode synopsis hadn't been written yet. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it has something to do with the X-Men. You know, because it's an X-Men podcast. There's a pretty amusing picture Jonathan chose for the episode artwork, though. It's uh, It's got Nightcrawler saying... North Star, say, oh, saving, saving North Star, maybe. Uh, Nightcrawler saying, I hadn't forgotten about you, my little Canadian elf. That made me chuckle. Anyway, uh, so be sure to check out Mutant Musings episode 37, Jim Jam's Bizarre Adventure, and find out what the heck the episode is about at the same time as me. If you thought this week's episode of Doctor Who was supposed to be a something of a horror show, you wouldn't be alone. But what it turned out to be instead was a fascinating character study, a series of touching moments, and an excellent case for the usefulness of a pickle and cheese sandwich. There's only one episode left to the season, so make sure you catch up on all those details you may have missed in time and relative dimensions in spoilers. You could catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you so much for checking out our commercials. It's time to talk some news. First up from DoctorWho.tv, see the first look image and read the synopsis for Doctor Who's New Year's Day special. So the imagery is her with the scarf, Karen. I love this scarf. I want this scarf. Please, someone make me this scarf. I love it so much. <laughs> so she's, she's scarfing it. I mean, is that in reference to the other dude? The, the other? I mean, it's... <sighs> It's they're both scarves. They're both multicolored. I mean, hers looks like it's a normal length, and it looks much more like it echoes the colors on her T-shirt. That's true. Yeah, the but... stripes on it are going the other direction. His stripes were like short stripes across. Right. So. So as the new year begins, a terrifying evil is stirring. So, Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> What now? I remember us talking about that the holiday or the Christmas special is not going to happen, but hey, we're going to get a New Year's, and we did. We are right. This is that. Mm-hmm. This is that. I'm so I can't believe the season is already almost over. Next week is the last one, and then there'll be like two weeks off, and then we'll get this, and then we won't see the Team Tardis for like whatever fucking year. Thanks, BBC. <laughs> But has it, okay, out of curiosity, have has it been announced for another season? Like, I'm assuming... Nothing has been announced, but... Yeah, well, didn't we do a uh, story about that? That was one of the news stories from last week that we didn't have, was that they... Some sort of confirmation, I think. Am I crazy? He's looking uh, at me like I'm going to remember anything that happened last week. <laughs> Let me let me root through our uh, our previous <laughs> week's stories, but I think there was an official confirmation that that was a thing that was happening. 
Okay, well, I could scroll. Do 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 do. Scrolly scroll. That's him. That's Dark Superman. That's Dark Batwoman. That's Dark Dragons. That's <laughs> side by side look at Scrubs Poison Dance. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it's. Uh... I kind of miss not talking about that. Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker. And Chris Chinball rumored to leave. Yeah, That's you're 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 farther back. You're so, now now in a new. That was the, that that was the last thing. Yeah, I feel like I've read that somewhere, but I'll just have to look it up. <laughs> oh. Anyway, this looks awesome. It does. It looks like a lot of fun. It's going to be. I'm going to assume standard Doctor Fair, where big baddie or you know world-threatening thing, and Doctor saves the day. Right. That's that's how it works. That's pretty much how it goes on. On at, at the holidays cool um let's let's it's i don't know it's like a it's a staple it's like a holiday staple and i was shocked at you know that that rumor that we weren't going to get it like that just didn't make any sense to me so it's not surprising this is yeah i mean i think i said it the last time we talked about it but this is fine with me the the christmas episodes in the recent years have either been not good Christmas episodes or not good episodes. Okay. <laughs> like uh, the Dr. Mysterio one that was a couple of years ago, that was great, but it wasn't very Christmassy. And then there was like, there was one with the one with Nick Frost as Santa, mm-hmm. which he was awesome as Santa, <laughs> but everything else about that episode sucked. <laughs> it was very Christmassy. It just, just sucked. Just not a good episode. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get our holiday cheer once again this year, and she's doing a phenomenal job. So, <coughs> oh my god, she's great. Um, we're gonna probably after Christmas, I will pick a a new Doctor Who for us to talk about. Sounds As like. of now, it is set to premiere in late 2019. So it is a thing that is apparently happening in quote unquote late 2019. <laughs> Air quote. Gotcha. Well, all right, we'll keep an eye Christmas. out for it. We get any news, we'll, we will, of course, share it. Uh, next up from Deadline.com, SpongeBob SquarePants' creator, Stephen Hillenberg, has died at the age of 57. Now, this is a, a, a lovely story about his, you know, getting into animation and what his world was before that, but I feel like, like it's weird how his love for marine biology created spongebob i feel that's amazing and adorable um he passed away from complications he was battling the neurodegenerative disorder als otherwise known as lou gehrig's disease um it's a shame he had a lot of credits to his name um he'll be missed it is, of course, terrible for him to have passed away so young, mm-hmm. but for this to be his legacy is a really great thing, I think, because I think, mean, you know, some people get to that point in their lives and they feel like they haven't done anything. And this guy created one of the most beloved cartoon characters of the modern era. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's it, he, he's been trying to, he was trying to get that out for a long time and he just stuck with it and like the intertidal zone was the comic book that he tried and that led to all of the stuff that happens at you know bikini bottom it's 
it's a world that he had nurtured since uh, 1984. There you go. Graduation. You guys, SpongeBob is a Macy's Thanksgiving Day balloon, and really, that's when you know you've made it. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's the top of the animation the, pile. The first square <laughs> balloon, I might add, because they say that every year on the parade when it passes by, they're like, did you know? And I'm like, yes, I did, because I watch the stamp parade every year. Shut up. Well, big bucket of win. He will be missed. Um, okay, Chris. Next <laughs> <laughs> story. It's so ridiculous. This, this is not really a story, but it is a thing from <coughs> io9.gizmodo.com. Listen to Voltron's Emperor Zarkon sing the best <laughs> Hamilton song. Arguable. I'll, okay. I'll cut in a snippet here. Um <laughs> Just a short little bit. Okay, we're back. Now, Chris. Hi. This is our news segment. This Please is... identify the newsworthy part of this story. I, I fail to see what's not newsworthy about Emperor Zarkon singing a song from, a song from Hamilton. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's it's innocent until proven guilty kind of thing? I have to defend it's not newsiness? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, I figured that was newsworthy. Like the, the, the cast of Ultron are a very musical bunch. They've done a couple of uh, amusing takes on songs that are uh, just for poops and giggles. Like, as far as I can tell, it's not like something that has been like orchestrated to help promote the show it's just like these people all get together and sing songs about voltron <laughs> like they did a great uh, version of you're welcome from moana Aww. that was all based around shiro and all the things that he's done to to help all the characters in this show uh, it, it's it's re- it's just remarkably funny um so i i hadn't really brought that stuff up before and every now and then it shows up on youtube and as soon as i saw not only the um the the headline but the picture associated with it i was like yeah this is funny enough to go in the news feed I'm, I'm, I'm i feel this. like you made this image though <laughs> like i i appreciate that thank you very much <laughs> it's it's i mean and i can tell that it's actually a picture of jonathan groff in costume with the guy's face like photoshopped on top it's a it, they did a good job they did they did a crisp crisp worthy <clears throat> job i mean it's it's impressive but it's fine yes it's fine so we'll let we'll let it go chris we'll let it go <laughs> It's funny because the like I mean I know the song pretty well obviously as a you know their token Hamilton geek on the podcast, um, but like most of the song he's I don't know this character but it seems like he's in character because it's not, certainly not the yeah he's in character the, the tone the tone of this song is not as dark as it's being sung by this person. Emperor Zarkon is the malicious he's he's the emperor from Star Wars he's like he's the, the malicious guy. evil force <laughs> right. So, but then, like, he gets to these certain more, like, a little bit more vocally challenging parts of the song, and he starts to sing, and he has, like, a really lovely singing voice, but it's, like, it's definitely starkly different from the voice he's doing the rest of the song, and and, and that cracked me up. It's a good time. So, you you will be able to hear the entirety of it once you check out the the links in the show notes. Um, Let's move on. From Tor.com. This is this is some news coming from Netflix. Um with all the recent cancel cancellations of the biggins. Um Netflix is, how do I say that name? 
Roald Dahl? Dahl? Roald Dahl? Okay. Netflix is adapting Roald Dahl's classics, Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and more. Um, I recognized a number of these. What does BFG stand for? Big Friendly Big Giant. Friendly Giant. Big, it, I never knew what the F was. <laughs> um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, BFG, The Twits, Charlie and the Glass Elevator. Like, There's a laundry list here of things that are good. Um, it is another universe for Netflix to tap into, so it's not surprising. The 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 announcement video was adorable, mm-hmm. though with the Wonka bar and yeah. Hey. I am particularly excited to see um, a Netflix TV style take on. Look, uh, the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie is an all time classic, mm-hmm. and but it's it's one of those things that. Uh, a modern retelling of it could be not, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to retell that story in a different flavor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's, especially going from movie to TV series like Netflix. Um, the uh, Tim Burton one is an abomination. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was curious as to what word you were going to use to describe that. Good job. I don't think there is. I don't think there's a better one. It is a straight up abomination, and I think that um, the it, it, it should be cleansed from the earth with holy fire. It should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I love me some Tim Burton. Uh, some of the things that I Tim of, of Tim Burton's works that I love, I genuinely love. Uh, you know, I think Big Fish is great. I love the original Batman, but some of his other things I just don't really care for. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was an abomination. Uh, I would love to see a, a new, I would really love to see a new take on it, especially after finishing series of unfortunate events. Uh, this whole announcement just made me very, very excited because, um, these kinds of things, uh, going in this sort of long form, uh, with Netflix's quality, I think is a really, really cool idea of adapting books. And I'll just say for the record, I know it's not going to happen anytime soon, but I wish with all of my heart and soul that Netflix would get their hands on the Harry Potter license. Because mm. I like those movies, but they're, they're so much missing. And especially the later you get into those movies, they really just kind of missed the mark, I think. And long form, long form television, I think, is the way to do those. True justice. So now, as I'm reading this again, are they doing these as animation because yes but is it because the way it's worded with the highest quality animation and production values so that to me means both Hmm. animation yeah i action Um, i don't know it could could be i mean i i I was under the impression that it was all going to be animated but i mean i'd be fine with the combination do some of animated do some of live action do Mm -hmm. some with puppets i don't know (laughs) Do something with puppets. Look, one of, of my all to, all time favorite movies is Fantastic Mr. Fox, and that was done with you know stop motion. So. That's true. That's true. Production of the first series is set to begin in 2019. Uh, we don't know which one yet. Um, <laughs> so as soon as we hear, we'll let you know. Um, but that's like a, a a really good universe for Netflix to get into. Speaking of, see, like with with the cancellation, with the, the canceling of all of those things, we're getting a lot of announcements on what Netflix is 
doing with that money it's saving. Um, Cowboy Bebop live action series coming to Netflix. This terrifies me. Now, okay, I understand completely, okay? But as we read, there are a lot of good names involved. Mm-hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... But to to head back to Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes. How did that go wrong? <laughs> that should not have gone wrong. That should have been amazing, but it wasn't. Look, Cowboy Bebop, as far as anime is concerned, especially from an American audience perspective, uh, that's like you're you're messing with scripture at this point. Yeah, like, it's gold standard. Like I know yeah. Cowboy Bebop, and I don't watch anime. <clears throat> this is also probably one of the series that I think could be adapted to live action best. If this goes well, it's going to go really well, but this could go off the rails. Like this, this could go incredibly poorly. And what makes me nervous is that this is not the first time Netflix has attempted to adapt an anime into live action. And I've never seen the, their previous attempts because one, I'd never really cared for the animes that they were based off of, but uh, everyone that I know that has seen them have said that they were unbelievably awful, like just completely missed the point. Mm. So that's why this scares me. But they seem to be going into this with uh, the correct level of reference. So I don't know. Call me cautiously optimistic. Okay. The fact that the first little teaser thing what had no sound um put me uh, put me off right away because um you know this music is an incredibly important part to this uh, part part of this show uh, and and its identity and their first trailer is dead silent it's just complete mute and i don't know if that was on purpose maybe they just forgot to include the sound or whatever i don't know maybe they couldn't get they couldn't get the rights to play tank over it i don't know what the the reason for that decision was but i don't know why you announced this with a trailer that has zero sound that's i don't know there's a lot of questions i have like i don't know how they're i don't know what what kind of color they're going to go for because you know the the show has sort of a pseudo dark tone but like characters wear pink and you know bright yellow and some yeah, of these every, outfits but everything like is muted and i mean it's this is probably the most uh, human-esque anime to adapt one of them but i mean you you, you look at i you know how 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 much of Faye's outfit are they going to really go for? Like, are they going to go for the weird crotch suspenders that she's got going on? Or are they going to try to adapt that into some sort of realistic clothes? Like, are they going to try to be, are they going to try, try to stay too close to the source material? And at that point, how the hell do you do Ed? Because everyone else is realistically proportioned and are you know, drawn realistically. And then Ed is a goofy cartoon character, tomboy that walks on her hands. Like mm-hmm. there's so much that could go so wrong here. Um, I want it to work out, but it scares me. Well, here's hoping for the best. Yes. <laughs> All right, Karen, going back to you. Explain this to me. Explain. <laughs> Season 18 announcement trailer for Doctor oh. Who. <laughs> oh, my God. This was so cute. They're doing such a great job with the uh, trailers for these box sets. Okay, so that's what that uh, is. Yes. Galactic Glitter Package Tours. 
Yes. Uh, I don't remember the specific reference, but Galactic Glitter uh, Tours is a is something from Classic Who. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so they did this whole sort of travelogue a type uh, promo for the season 18 Doctor Who Blu-ray set that's coming out. Um, they're just doing these with like, you know, remastered and new commentaries and behind the scenes stuff and interviews and beautiful packaging. And uh, I, they, they managed to work in like all the locations that they went to during this season and feature them as like destinations on this tour package. (laughs) It was was funny. I'm going to give it that. I just had no idea what I was watching. It's funny. And then if you know the episodes that they're featuring in this box set, it takes on this weird, like dark funniness to it. Cause like a lot of bad shit happens in these episodes and they're like, go here for like a delightful vacation and it's like you know a bunch of people got murdered and the doctor had to like save the day <laughs> yeah there was spider bites and monsters coming out of the lake and stuff like i saw all that there was a, a plant monster of some sort and it's 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 done well like it's entertaining and like i just needed i was just waiting for us to, to record so i go what the hell did i just watch because i really have no idea <laughs> And the whole thing's narrated Tom, by Tom Baker, who does a great job with it. Just, he does. you know, sounds like he's having a lot of fun. And which is good. So, uh, eight, season 18 box set is coming out, I guess. Does it say when? Let's... Uh, I think it did, but I don't have it loaded because if I do, it'll play and it'll be loud. And I, yeah, I did the same thing. Now I tried to click on the link that's embedded in the video. And Tom Baker, Fuzzy Refine, will be the next installment. Blu ray. Uh, 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 Release on the 25th of February. Yeah, seventh right. and so, final series. Oh, so that's Tom Baker's seventh season or seventh yeah. series. And it's his last one, uh, the 25th of February. There you go. Good art to it, too. I like it. Yeah. So there you go. All the info that we got. Um, next up, Deadline.com. This is the one I thought you were having me explain to you, and I was like, "What? What is there to explain? It's Donald Sutherland." No, it's Donald. This one I got Donald, Donald Sutherland <laughs> to star in HBO limited series The Undoing. This sounds like an interesting show. It I, sure does. I haven't heard anything about this beforehand. Um, it's a six six episode limited series written by David E. Kelly. Um, it's an ad- adaptation of Gene Hanf. Okay, it's a book. You should have known The Undoing. Um, Nicole Kidman, uh, Hugh Grant, like, got names. It's got a decent story. And it's HBO, so now they have Donald Sutherland. It seems like a win. Yeah, sounds like a very interesting show and, you know, par for the course for HBO. Yeah, HBO. We haven't had a lot of solid outside of you know game of thrones hey prequel like they've sort of been on the quiet so it's good to see that they're they're gonna release something of substance um let's move on i think they've been putting a lot of their energy into westworld which none of us watch and yeah and there hasn't been much talk about or am i crazy no that's that's hbo okay and it's just not a lot of talk about it online either so well it is what it is all right, so 
the Mary Sue, I actually read this article outside of, I don't know why, how I came about it, but it was before someone posted it and I didn't, <laughs> I think it was because it was, uh, Jamila, right? Jamila Jamil. Mm-hmm. Um, She's calling out celebrities who shill dangerous weight loss drinks. I I didn't realize that this was a thing. I didn't realize weight loss drinks are are, are making a comeback. Oh yeah. So she has. I'm with Evan. I didn't realize there were celebrities endorsing this kind of crap. And good for her for pointing them out. Well, celebrities is uh, is a tricky word. <laughs> like who's Cardi B? She's a me. Uh, singer, I guess, is the best way to. I, don't, I wouldn't want to call her a musician because I don't think she actually plays an instrument or anything. But okay, <clears throat> rapper maybe is the better term. Okay, so apparently she is doing one of these commercials for a detox tea. Like this. Okay, I knew I knew that they were out there. I just didn't realize that they were making a comeback in like being presented as a positive thing. Like, yeah. So it's a shame that she has to, she feels like it's a shame that she has to do something like this, like to call people out on like promoting dangerous products, like diet. There, there is no magical pill or drink that makes you lose weight. <clears throat> Jamila Jamil is just in general, a fantastic advocate for women. She's, you know, been known to call out people for stupid you know body image shit before and uh just in the day since this story came out she was uh quoted again for what the hell was it something else oh she said that um airbrushing on like magazine covers should be illegal it should be it should be yeah i mean it's i mean i don't know if we need to like you know make a law about it but it definitely it shouldn't, it shouldn't be shouldn't done be a thing. Like, that's the problem <clears throat> but it is I, we were i was watching a movie last night and there was a woman on the screen who was so like she was playing uh a supermodel assassin and she was so thin so scary looking i was like there is nothing attractive about that eat a goddamn sandwich it's i don't i i don't know i guess just <sighs> eat a bite of sandwich and you're good to go yeah. <laughs> anywho um good for her for getting the, the word out there and, and and being the advocate that she is um Every time you see a celeb or influencer post sexy diet detox product ads, remember this picture. Yes. And what did she say somewhere else in it? She said, this isn't going to stop until a celebrity shits their pants in public, and I hope they do. <laughs> That's great. And that would yes. probably not stop it, but yes, it's a, it would be a good step forward. Oh, God almighty. All right. Um, is this really the... Is this Google.com? Oh, no, it's Deadline. Uh, Deadline.com, <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, McKenna Grace to guest star Alexis Densoff and oh, Jedediah Good, Goodacre, Ha-ha! set for recurring roles. 
I have not seen a single episode of this. Have you? Oh my god! Is it? Is it an oh my god? I binged it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tis great. Good. 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 Um. So, are we happy about these announcements? Sure. Um. I don't know who these two youngsters are, but uh, it's Alexis Denisov from from Buffy yeah. and Angel. Well, yeah. I from my and, and Mr. Allison Hannigan. The the girl the girl is I think she's supposed to play a younger version. Yes, little Sabrina. Little Sabrina, which makes sense. She definitely does look like her. Uh huh. And okay, in season one, did they have um, oh, what's the dude's name with the, the the painting in the attic? Um, Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray was he? No. Okay, so Good Carol played Warlock Dorian Gray, the owner of Dorian's Gray Room, uh, an exclusive nightclub. Ooh. So he's playing Dorian Gray. Yeah, just like the novel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so thumbs up on this original season and no qualms. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it's Alexis. He's good. He's a yes. He's he's Wesley. He's a yeah. So, um, but not that Wesley. That's true. Um, um, but the whole show is great. Yeah. Uh, Karen and Shipka play Sabrina is fantastic. Um, uh, what's her face? Michelle Gomez from Doctor Who is amazing in it. Uh, we'll talk about it next month, probably, or you know, at some point, because I've seen the whole damn thing. Um, and if you have seen it and liked it, not you guys, but you listeners, um, you probably already heard this, but there is going to be a Winter Solstice special on December fourteenth. Did uh, did we? I read that somewhere that we. Didn't I think we. That. I think we in maybe announced that or put it on Twitter or something. But oh no, it's yeah. we, we have it, a season two and it's one of the articles. That's but that's a different thing that I'm talking. It's not a season. It's a special. It would be a Christmas special if it was any other show. But mm-hmm. the I'm, thing that I love, one of the things that I love about this show is that there's a like it's. Oh, this makes me sound terrible. There's a whole satanic element to it. <laughs> like it's not shying away from the Satan at all. Not so there's this like. Sh- sh- hold on, not shying. I have to write that down because that's a good show okay. title. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so there's like the Church of Night, and every uh, everything about it is the antithesis of the Catholic Church. Okay. So like every everything that you would have associated with the Catholic Church, there's an equivalent version in this dark church. And so one of my favorite things that happened in the show is like something amazing happened. And one of the witches said, excuse me, he said, unholy shit. (laughs) I was like, that's great. That's amazing. I get it. I do. I got you. So instead of having a Christmas special, they're having a winter solstice special. And then later in the news segment we'll talk about the other article that is talking about season two (laughs) cool all right next up um chris you have to you have to remind me but this is coming from deadline.com legendary tv developing legendary the tv developers are bringing uh blake j harris's console wars the novel as a limited drama series yes why do i know console wars i know i didn't Um, read the book that's for damn sure. that never happened i'm not a reader <laughs> uh i don't know i've i've written about it i've talked about it on the stone age gamer podcast a bunch. um 
probably it. It's a really good book. Um, it's a really, really good book. Uh, I'm really excited that this is being turned into a drama series. It's been, there have been a lot of talks about this being turned into a movie for a while, but like half documentary. And I feel like that wouldn't really do this the best service because the way this book was written is as a, it was written as a uh, like a story, not a historical account. Gotcha. Um, so this is basically uh, the 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 plot of this is uh, Nintendo versus Sega during the 16-bit Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo era of like the the, the mid 90s and stuff. Okay. So um, when Sega everybody was, was into video games. Well, different different kind of everybody <laughs> when when uh when they weren't mainstream cool, but they were uh, like super hot and yes yeah so this was coming off of when nintendo basically ruled ruled the entire industry and sega had their console that went up against the nes the sega master system that did nothing in the states um and it tells this whole story of the 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 guy basically in charge of sega of america a guy named tom kalinsky and the story is kind of told from his perspective of what it was like uh trying to compete with Nintendo and eventually actually succeeding in uh, becoming the, the bigger market shareholder during that generation mm-hmm. before Nintendo eventually turned the tide and uh, and shut them down at the very end. But it's a, it was just a really, really fascinating story. Uh, and I learned a lot of cool little tidbits that I didn't really know about that era. It's not 100% historically accurate uh, from what I'm told. Um, Leonard Herman, the author of uh, Phoenix, The Fallen Rise of Video Games, which is a really, really, really solid and thick <laughs> book about the uh, the history of the video game industry. Um, you know, He said that a lot of the stuff in that was took some liberties, um, I guess, in the name of storytelling, okay. which I'm fine with just because it is in the name of storytelling. And it was a really, really interesting book. And I'm not much of a reader, but obviously this speaks to my sensibilities. And I thought it was well written and I thought it was a lot of fun. And I feel like it's a really interesting story. And putting it in a TV series is a way to get people that don't necessarily like you start talking like I was just talking, like I'm sure my wife's eyes are glazing over already. Um <laughs> But putting it in this kind of um, a setting might get a lot of more people to uh, learn about this story, which is really a very fascinating story about uh, just two competing companies trying to, to to do very different things to sell their products to people. It's just neat. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Cool. Cool. Um, <coughs> so there's no dates or anything. They've just optioned it, I guess. Or they're they're in development for it, so I don't even know what network it's going to. So uh, it, it's well, Legendary is the production company. So um, if we get any more information, we will. It's is it okay? Is it Seth Rogen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, like Seth Seth Rogen. Point. Oh yeah, yeah. Look at that. Okay, cool. He wrote the foreword to um in the book as well, which was pretty neat. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So um, if we get any more information, we will definitely pass that along. So uh, good stuff. I'm sorry. Was Chris just talking? I I fell asleep for a second. (laughs) What? What What happened? He's talking about reading. (sighs) You have to encourage that, Karen. Next up, Uh, Deadline Dive. Yes. (laughs) 
deadline.com brings us the trailer for Marvel's Runaways season two. Um, and there is a dinosaur in a shopping cart. <laughs> what else do you need to know? That's it. That's good enough. Um, I haven't Did watched you any watch of this. Se- um, yeah, I haven't watched any of it either, which is surprising to me because the uh, first couple of volumes of Runaways are some of my all-time favorite comics. Yeah, the source material. I is, should is be beloved. all over this show, and I just haven't been. Yeah, well. My buddy Alex, Alex Wysak, who occasionally writes for the website, has watched it, and uh, I told basically, I had a couple of questions for him, and he said he'd let me know if uh, the show's worth watching after season two, because apparently season one didn't even get up to where I thought season one would get up to, which is kind of like... the Not to... You know, spoiler alert for anybody who knows nothing about Runaways, the whole point of this show is that there's you know a a group of people the marvel universe seems very new york centric Mm -hmm. and they kind of dive into why you don't hear a bunch of west coast superheroes because it's basically owned by this crime family known as the pride and um all their kids get together and because they just you know they're having a big family gathering and they discover their parents are supervillains because they had no idea and um then they all basically run away to try and you know, work together to take down their parents who they've all just determined are evil and they all have their own unique sets of powers. And it's just a really good story. And, um, it's also the only comic book I've ever read that has cloak and dagger in it. So I wonder if they're going to do a crossover. I sure hope not. Uh, I don't think so, (laughs) but they, you know, there's a, a culmination in the, the book where they, you know, confront their parents and all that other ja- other jazz, and that just apparently didn't happen in season one. Because I'm looking at this trailer, like, well, that character is still there, so um, is still in this particular setting. So um, I guess they haven't gotten that far yet. So. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, we're getting season two. It's coming, geez, a couple of weeks now. It's not not far off. December twenty first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available on Hulu. Which we don't have, which is probably another large factor in why I never watched it. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to watch it if you want to. Actually, I'm sure I, I will. It. <laughs> um, next up, Vulture.com. This was a fun story. Uh, Stephen Colbert is uh, planning on suing Donald Trump for stealing uh, one of his jokes. Um, or one of his bits, I should say. Uh, a while ago... When Stephen Colbert was, I, I guess this was, was it the beginning of the Colbert Report or when he was, um, no, it's the word that was from, um, that was from the Colbert Report. So he did this thing where his joke was, is that just, just go with your gut. Like your gut is smarter than facts. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Trump said that. He said something similar to it. Yeah. yeah. Almost like somebody wrote that bit for him, mm-hmm. you know, and copied it from Colbert and then changed some of the words or moved them around. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Uh, I, it Watch it. I don't really want to get too much into it because... It makes me think about Donald Trump, and I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Colbert, Colbert is very funny. 
and he's i i wish you would actually go through it with it <laughs> doubt it's gonna happen but it would be nice to see um next up we've mentioned we pretty much already did this one <laughs> yeah we've already did this one but i will note that it was god fucking damn it daredevil has been canceled by netflix so yeah we're not getting a season four um who knows what's going to happen with the disney stuff um i don't know i'm trying to see if there's anything in addition to this that no it's just that uh jessica jones and punisher are still slated uh who knows most likely it will be their last seasons as well we will see though um next up from that is not everything is taking quite a while for it to load up on my uh, on my computer and it's set uh, it's now it's the nerdist is bringing us the information that sabrina is coming back for season two and we're getting the trailer um looks good trailer looks great it's lots of more fun coming in April. April 5th is going to be the release date for season two. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that uh, Netflix has over freaking BBCs, you don't have to wait a goddamn year for a new season of a show. No, you don't. You don't. Um, so I don't have much like I, like I don't know if her wearing all black is a big deal, but apparently it is. <laughs> Eh, whatever. So I would that didn't make much sense to me because it's a dark show from my understanding. But <clears throat> getting a season two, keep eyes out th- for that. I think the point of the her wearing black in the trailer is to show that she has definitely gone over to the witch side because season one was all about it was a uh, you know it starts like right before her sixteenth birthday. She's supposed to have a dark baptism into the mm-hmm. unholy church of night. And accept her for full, like, you know, membership into that and becoming a, a witch. Because she's half human and half witch. Right. Um, and then she's not sure whether she's going to do it. And it pretty much takes her the whole season to decide whether or not she's going to do it. So, okay. Spoiler, she does it. Spoiler, she does. Okay. But it's still worth watching because of why and all the things that happen oh, along yeah, absolutely. the way it's, it's, holy it's, crap i love this show you guys <laughs> it's i was supposed journey. to write about it for another tv blog that i write and then i ended up writing about something else instead because it wasn't really seasonally appropriate to talk about <laughs> sabrina the dark witch at christmas time but uh, uh I, see. I see but i have a whole bunch of show knowledge built up to just I, that i need to spew forth and we will give you that opportunity <laughs> to spew forth your TV knowledge. Um, all right. Another one from Deadline. Disney and St- Disney Plus. Oh, bad name. Star Wars series starring Diego Luna taps Steven Schiff as showrunner. This is that live action Star yep. Wars. So Yeah. Cool, man. I'm, a, I'm game. Yeah. I heard The Americans was a good show. Yeah. I, I, it's just a shame that it's on Disney Plus. It's not even a good name for a channel. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, bah, bah, bah. It's like... I, it's it's Star Wars. So it's a pretty, pretty safe bet. Right? I'm, I'm not... Um, 
at the same time, uh, John Favreau is still going on with the Mandalorian. Um, I'm getting these shows very confused in my head. Okay. Like, I know that they're two different things or whatever, but <laughs> well, I just, I know that there's two new Star Wars shows coming and I can't really tell which one is which. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't know what a Mandalorian is. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Okay. Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. Okay. That's it. That doesn't that doesn't help too much. Really? He's got he's got a very distinctive helmet. Well, no, I I understand <laughs> what like I know Boba Fett is like. I'm not a Star Wars idiot. I know what I know Star Wars. I just like just because ben, Boba Fett is a Mandalorian doesn't tell me what a Mandalorian is. It just tells me that Boba Fett is one. Yeah, I mean that's if you're going by movies, that's literally all there is to it. Yeah, I, <laughs> like. This this show will apparently tell you why that's a big deal. Uh, I know there's in the expanded universe, there's a whole lot to the Mandalorians, including in the uh, Star Wars Rebels. They touch on the the Mandalorian race in a lot of interesting ways. But um, as just as far as the movies are concerned, Boba Fett. That's there you go. <laughs> Boba Fett. Boba. Where? <laughs> so yeah. His backpacks got jets. He's Boba, <laughs> Boba the, the Fett. Fet. <laughs> oh my God! All right, so yeah, more Star Wars on Disney Plus, which is their new streaming service. But wait, there's more. Check it out. Um, <coughs> so apparently, Disney Plus is also doing a, a Vision and Scarlet Witch show. Um, which we knew they were doing a Scarlet Witch show, but now it's the Vision and Scarlet Witch show, which apparently some people are like, well, how come the woman can't have a show on her own? And it's like, okay, I get it, but it's like, but Vision and Scarlet Witch are a pair in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's also get not that yourself. a woman can't have her own show. Just that, do you really want to watch an all Scarlet Witch show? Because I kind of don't. <laughs> But you know, if it's the two of them together, sure. I, I, I they had they had some chemistry. As far as I'm concerned, those two characters are some of the absolute weakest character-wise in the MCU. Um, her more so than than Vision. But the two of them played off well together in Infinity War. And you know, nice. even though her name isn't first in the first in the name, it's kind of like way bigger. You know, it's Vision and the Scarlet Witch. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll watch it. It's just like this is this is what we're getting instead of Daredevil. <laughs> yes, it is that and uh, a they're Loki both series. red. What do you want? Oh, boo. well, it's not just the Loki Loki series because <laughs> uh, the Loki. See, now the other two I think are far more interesting because you've also got a Loki series and you also got a Winter Soldier series. Now those two are pretty pretty interesting to me. Uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, you know, that could be really good because. One of the reasons those two characters are, I feel, so weak in the MCU is that they don't, you know, they didn't have their own standalone movies or anything to set them up. Mm -hmm. They were in Age of Ultron, and even then they didn't get really all that they kind of needed to feel as fleshed out as the other characters. So this could really go a long way in, in fixing that. But what's super interesting about this is that Marvel's been pretty solid about especially in the last couple of years about their tv properties only being loosely related to the movies you know like mm -hmm. they kind of tied tied in shield a bit more than usual 
just because they kind of had to, but you can't do that with this and not have it far more tied into the, the actual movie universe. Um, yeah. If you're having actual movie characters in TV shows. Yeah. Which has not been, you know, not been the case for the most part beforehand. So we'll see how this all rolls together, it's but a, I'm It's interested. a whole new universe or a whole new world. So we don't know what they're doing. All, all we know is that they're doing something with these characters. They're doing a thing. They're doing a thing. Because there's been no other description or information given other than it's a thing. It's going to happen, and that's it. So, <sighs> as always, if we get any more, we will let you know. All right, Black Mirror, coming from epicstream.com. We're getting a season five premiere date, and like... This was the one where it accidentally slipped because someone posted something on a Twitter account and screen capped it. I don't know. It's like this is one of those things where someone it's not official and it's not super real. But due to the fact it's being hidden, it's being promoted as this is this is the thing. I'm just going to wait to see like Netflix will let me know they want me to watch these shows so we're gonna get a season five of Black Mirror that's good that Mowgli thing is coming that's good we're gonna get that so we'll see um apparently the Mowgli Legend of the Jungle will air on December 7th um do to do Shaun of the Dead like, is that a, a series? Is that a new show? Or is, no, that's just Shaun of the Dead. Uh, season 8 of Voltron on the 14th. Fast and the Furious. Bird by Watership Down on the 26th. Like, and they actually removed. Like, they kept that one up. They they removed the Black Mirror date. So, when it's official, we will absolutely let you know 100% when to turn on the television for Black Mirror, because that is a really good show. <coughs> Very well done. Um, <laughs> okay, this one's coming from AV News. The Rocco's Modern Life Riders were goddamn lunatics. That is a phenomenal <laughs> title. Isn't it, right? It's great. <laughs> it's it definitely clickable. Um, and it makes sense. So it this this story goes into a bit of the, the the behind the scenes of what it was like to work on Rocco's modern life and it seems nutty. So there's actually a much more in depth article in Vanity Fair, but um that was behind a paywall that I couldn't get past. So go. this is the link that you get. <laughs> there you go. Um it's it's it definitely makes sense why we got the show that we did. Cause Rocco that was a wonky show that was crazy like and then seeing it in text um hold on uh it's not all that surprising though when you consider just how crazy the series truly got um this is the same children's program that built jokes around phone sex the kennedy assassination and the rape scene from deliverance yeah that's a children's program that's that's all true (laughs) that did those things so you know, Nickelodeon was weird. I mean, geez, Ro- <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life, obviously, but Invader Zim too. I'm f- wow, they, there's some, there's some messed up stuff on those cartoons, and I loved them. Yes, we all did. 
All right. Finally, from TVLine.com, Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington nixes spinoff involvement with simply saying, not on your life. So, I guess there may have been a rumor that Kit may have been involved in one of the spinoffs for Game of Thrones, and he has flat out said, no, you're not doing it. It's 10 years of my life. That's enough. And who could blame him? Really, like I make sense. Not that I want to, you know, not see more Jon Snow, but I mean, I we still get more Jon Snow. It's just not much more Jon Snow. So it's a prequel series. I don't know how well that would have worked anyway. Well, uh, there's there's talks about other spinoffs or Uh, offshoots, and a lot of lot of rumors and crap all going on but none of it's official the the only one that is official is the prequel one and it's set like thousands of years beforehand so that's not happening unless someone has a vision of the future and they see john <laughs> that'd be a funny twist all right that's it that's all we got um, uh, there's one more story. Oh, that's true. Feed. That's true. <laughs> Karen, I didn't read this one because you put it up right before we started recording. I did. I I'm will a jerk tell you, way. Deadline.com tells us Jane the Virgin spinoff in the works at CW from Gina Rodriguez, Jenny Snyder, Ermin, and Ben Silverman. Go, Karen. I'm assuming uh, you read this, seeing as you posted it. I well, I didn't read it before I posted it, but I sure did afterwards okay. when you told me you, you weren't going to read it, and I had to deal with it. <laughs> uh, I think it was when Chris was talking about God something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> video game, video game, blah blah blah. Video game. I got you. Go. So I think I knew. We I think we already talked about the fact that the show is happening, but now we know what it's going to be about, and uh, I think it's a really cool concept. So the original show, Jane the Virgin, is about uh, a lot of things, but the main character Jane is a writer who writes uh, romance novels and is obsessed with telenovelas, and so the spinoff is going to be an anthology series where each season is. Uh, supposed to be based on a different fictional novel quote-unquote written by jane interesting and, and narrated by uh um what's her face oh, her name gina rodriguez uh, who's plays jane who play, uh, interesting so i think that's a great concept i think it's a great uh spinoff idea for the show i don't, I don't know if it has legs but anthology sees anthology shows are pretty popular these days it's so true. um I think it could work, and I think it it looks it looks fun. They're saying the first installment, referred to as Tar and Roses, takes place at the intersection of Napa Napa Valley Wine Country and the San Francisco art scene. <laughs> Interesting. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, you are a fan. Sounds of Jane good the to Virgin, me. So I am. One of these days, we'll talk about this this show on this show. Uh, I see what you did there. All right. I, I, I kind of ran out of words that made sense <laughs> is what happened there. <laughs> All right, we'll keep an eye out for it, and we'll, we'll we'll talk more about it, I'm sure. All right, now that's it. <laughs> so, Chris, it's your turn. Give it us the is spiel. my turn. The spiel goes like sim. Like <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You're bigaboo? <laughs> 
You can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at Twebcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen, where are you? I am here. And here is a shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan, where are you? Geekade underscore Evan. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com for more fresh, original content. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, Sarah. So it is my choice. I am going to describe. So we're doing all Christmas, and this is a conference because we sort of talked about it before we started recording all so the next four episodes we're going to do minis uh no next week's regular length right Yeah, next week's a regular episode and then we're going to do a three mini episodes three minis okay so to start off our holiday it's it's december it's time to start talking holiday shows and so for the next four weeks or four episodes we're going to do christmas or holiday themed episodes uh as you just heard next week will be a full episode but then the following ones will be mini episodes we will take our news and keep you know letting you know about it but we will post it up on our twitter feed we will not be discussing it via show because we are going to record all three of those shows at one shot that's a little behind baseball but for the first one it's my choice I decided we are going to talk about Married with Children, Season 2, Episode 13, You Better Watch Out. Okay, so that's your homework, people. Good old television classics. (sighs) Choosing Christmas episodes was so hard. There were so many good options. But... I struggle with it every year. Every year. Season 2, Episode 13, Married with Children... That's your homework. Join us next week. From all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. I'm blind. They didn't say that in the show. Well, they should have. Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.